This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 271 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Equisketch and Sparkle and Boom. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hail or high water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop I am Glenda Geek And I'm Helena B And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show On the Horse Radio Network Well howdy Helena how are you today? Good. We had some fun over the weekend. We went and we volunteered at a carriage driving show here at the Florida Horse Park over the weekend. It was a lot of fun. What, got to see Wendy. What did you do in your volunteer capacity? I got to be a timer. I was super geeked out. You would have loved it because I had two stopwatches around my neck. I had a phone and a walkie-talkie. That's a job for me right there. Perfect yeah, walkie-talkie. You like to be all Two like, stopwatches, you know, one in each hand. Official um, and <laughs> Jennifer was the spotter, so she had to make sure they went through the gates all in the right order, which is an easy, which is not an easy job in driving because it's so confusing. Um, but we had a great time. We got to see Wendy with her baby horse, the same one that she brought to the parade in Aiken that we were in the parade with. And how is a, uh, Wendy and her baby horse? Her, I can't get my words right. Her baby horse. Wendy uh, and her baby horse. Didn't do so well in dressage. Uh, did much better in, in marathon. And I, I think did all right in cones. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was a, it's what's called a horse driving trials in HDT, which is a lower level, like like an event would be, the lower levels. Um, like oh, a okay, horse like trials. a two-phase yeah, compared to exactly. a three-day event. Yep, okay, this is a two-phase. This would be a two-day driving trials rather than three. So they, they put dressage and cones in the same day, and then okay. they do marathon at the different day. But what I thought was so cute is they had a bunch of uh, what's called very small equines now. They don't call them minis anymore. They're very small equines, VSEs. They had a whole class for VSEs. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No, VSEs? I'm not kidding. Oh, okay. I That's think because tag? some of them didn't qualify quite in the mini category, but they were really small. They looked like minis, but they were like an inch or two over being an official mini. So they changed the name of the class to VSEs, very small equines, which I just think is a politically correct way of saying minis. But anyway, they had these. Oh, so it is. It's an official term. Yes, official oh. term, VSE. Yep. And the whole class is called the VSE class. And they must have had six VSEs, one that was a pair of t- little minis pulling the c- carriage with the, with the person in it. And they do the whole marathon course. Uh, you know, 35 minutes pulling that person around through the obstacles. Now, it's much easier for them to get through the obstacles because their cart is much smaller and the horse is much smaller. So making the turns in the obstacles is pretty easy. But I did think a couple of them were going to drown in the, in the water obstacle because, you know, the water's up to their chest. <laughs> it's like... It's so funny to watch. 
They are so cute. They are so cute. I know, they are cute. It made me realize that if those minis can pull those people around a marathon course, then my little pony can pull me around just fine. I'll be fine. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Especially once your pony gets fat and strong. We took him out the other day for his first really long drive. Uh, We don't have the cart yet, so we're still waiting for that. But... It's been ordered. But we're, we we took him out, ground drove him for the first time for a really long drive outside the neighborhood. We we went down the roads. Of course, we have our neighborhood that has, like, no traffic. So we went down the roads and around and everything, and we took him out for an hour. And he had to go see everything. He saw bicyclists. He saw joggers. He saw runners. And at one point, there were two fenced-in yards, one on either side of the road, and both of them had multiple dogs barking their heads off. So he had to go through the dog gauntlet, and he spooked one little time at the dogs. But other than that, I was able to keep him going, and he went right through it. So he's doing really good. He, mentally, he's a good little guy. Good. I think, I think he'll be he'll be fine. I want you know we want to take him out some more, driving around the neighborhood and getting used to cars and everything before we put him in the cart and take him out. But I think he's doing fine. He steers. He goes. We actually got him to trot voluntarily the other day. Uh, wow. Yeah, he doesn't go fast very often. He's, he's <laughs> His favorite gate is stop. When something scares him, he stops, which I'm fine with that, by the way. His favorite gate is stop. I would rather have stop than bolt, right? You know? Absolutely. If you're going to have one or the other, you want the horse that stops. Uh, Our good friend Sissy Finn always says, I want a horse who goes so slow, he may as well go backwards. <laughs> That's my kind of horse right there. <laughs> yeah. And you have one now, but you didn't before. <laughs> <laughs> you, would, you had the one. I have one now, yes. yes you yes. have one now that stops. Before you had the one that wanted to bolt. So uh, you've solved that problem now. For the most part, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope I don't recreate it. That's right. You, you know, you always think the... Pro- I, yeah, I can't blame... You can never blame the horse. So, you know, you have to say, well, <laughs> you got to blame yourself. How's Brody doing anyway? He's doing quite well. He's a happy camper. It's out. Now, you guys, your grass is going to be starting to die off here soon, right? Coming into fall? We Our grass lasts a little bit longer uh, down on the south coast in New England here. Mine's nice and green and lush, and he's still getting plenty of nutrition out of it. I think our, we'll have um, nice green grass right up until Thanksgiving. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is better than Massachusetts where it seems to die at the end of August. It does actually. It's um, uh, being so well. You know, our my particular location has something of a unique um, climate because we're surrounded by three sides, on three sides with water, two ocean-going rivers, and then the Atlantic Ocean. So, um, it's a very temperate climate here. Temperate is that the right word? Yeah, I think so. Temperate. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a longer growing season than most other areas. We're we're comparable to Northern Virginia in terms of growing season. Huh. So, like, I'm looking out at my grass right now. I'm like, oh, I got to mow again. <laughs> yeah, it's green. It's the and you know, of course, it, it grows in the fall, like September, but it's still growing very nicely in middle of October. A lot of people think too in Florida that we have grass all year long, but our grass dies. As well. So we we have one more mow. I'll mow this weekend. That'll be the last I mow until spring again. Now, our spring comes sooner. You know, we get the grass starts growing much sooner, February, March. But uh, but yeah, it will be brown, just like up north. A lot of people think it stays green and it doesn't. 
If we want grass like that, we can. You have to plant a special grass, and you have to replant every year. It's a one-year. It's it's really a hay kind of. It's an annual. Yeah, yeah. an annual. You have it's to replant hay. it. You overseed it over your current, you know, grass, and it just grows up through. Um, mm. But and a lot of people that have horse farms around here do that. It's very expensive to do every year. It's going to cost you hundreds yeah. of dollars to do your paddocks every year. And you have to keep the horses off of it until it starts coming up. So it's kind of a chore to do it. Yeah, and, you got to be really committed to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is Grass Talk here on Stable Scoop Radio Show. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're going to move on to something else. Yeah, let's Grass, talk about, tack, habits. Talk about something what do we, we have, um, What do we have coming up? Well, we, we have uh, one guest for you today. Her name is Hannah. And she writes a blog that I really like. She calls her blog, the blog is under her name, but her, the name, but she calls her blog Conversations Over Coffee. And she, she caught my attention because I was just looking at, I like blogs. And, you know, we haven't done enough. Remember back in the beginning of the show, we used to get bloggers on all the time. Because they always have something yeah, to say and yeah. they're usually articulate. So yes. we, we would get them on all the time. And I came across this one because she wrote a blog called The 10 Reasons Your Teenage Daughter Should Own a Horse. And I thought, well, that's a recurring topic that comes up on the Horse Radio Network and our show all the time. And you have a daughter. So I thought it would be interesting to have her on. She got a lot of comments on this blog. And it, and, you know, it, just, she, it was well written. So I thought, well, let's get her on and we'll talk about that. So we're going to have kind of a roundtable conversation about the 10 reasons your teenage daughter should own a horse. And I only have one reason that your teenage son should own a horse and join Pony Club, and that is because he will be there with a ratio of 99 to 1 girls. So uh, that's why I recommend your teenage son own a horse and be, belong to Pony Club, is lots of pretty girls. Just the, <laughs> it's the only reason I can think of, actually, that, makes, that, they, that they'll care about at that age. So, but the daughters have, are much more complicated and we have a lot more reasons. So we're going to talk to Hannah about that. And then I have a Tack and Habit product that I want to talk to you about that is one of P.T. Scooter's favorite things. His, he just loves this. So we're going to talk about that in a minute as well. But let's talk first. Let's right after this word from Equisketch. Let's talk to Hannah. Glenda Geek here. The life of horse person is hard enough, and we all hate doing the required paperwork, and unfortunately, many of us never get around to it, and it just piles up on our desk. That is about to change thanks to the Equisketch Records app for your iPhone or iPad. My wife and I use it to track our horses, and we absolutely love this thing. Equisketch Records is the most thorough and complete equestrian records app on the market today. We love this app because you can track your farrier work, your dental, your Coggins, medicines, worming, and so much more. And you can get reminders on your device when all of these things are due. You'll never forget a worming or shots or farrier visit again. But it not only tracks your horse, you can also manage your horse shows, including individual events. You can manage riders, including lessons and memberships and so much more. And you can sync it between your iPhone and your iPad, and all of this for the price of a couple of cups of coffee from Starbucks. Search for Equisketch Records in the iOS App Store or go to Equisketch.com. That's E-Q-U-I-S-K-E-T-C-H.com. Equisketch.com. Well, hi, Hannah, and welcome to the Stable Scoop Show. 
Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, as I said, we're having you on to discuss one of your blog posts. I came across your blog because I was searching through blogs that had anything written about horses, and yours came up. And, uh, you know, I love the, the blog's name is Conversations Over Coffee. And it really is designed for women, but that means us men want to read it to see what you guys are up to. So, and there's lots of great uh, blog posts on here, but one that caught our eyes was 10 Reasons Your Teenage Daughter Should Own a Horse. And that's a recurring topic here on the Horse Radio Network. And we are, we are big believers in having teenage daughters own horses. But what really caught my attention and what I, why I thought you'd be fun to have on the show was the first paragraph of the article. And it reads like this. I was one hell of a teenager, utterly de- independent, debated everything, and sought full control, c- control over my own life by the time I was 13. So in other words, you were a nightmare, pretty much. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was an early nightmare <laughs> for my mom. <laughs> But, you know, we all know people that were like that. I dated ones that were like that. And sometimes they change. So my question is, did you change? Or are you still that? that well, maybe you should ask your husband. Are you married? Should I ask him that question? I'm not. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I would say that I'm still pretty much like that, but um, not towards other people and, and definitely not in the same capacity towards my parents. Um, I think that being a young teenager is a really interesting time because it's a time where, you know, a lot of parents are still feeling like their kids are children and a lot of kids are feeling like, well, I should be a full, completely independent adult. And uh, so I think that 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 time where you vary along the way, um, things can get lost pretty easily. (laughs) And, uh, you know, both sides don't really know how to handle the situation. So I think that horses become a good barrier and a good um, kind of guidance and a mediator to keep people out of trouble and and, um, keep kids on the right track. Jeez, and then I think it goes back the other way. I'm 50 and I don't want to be an independent adult anymore. Uh, I, I can I go back and be taken care of very quickly and easily. I wouldn't have any trouble with that. And I know, Helena, I know the audience is sitting there listening. I bet you Helena was like that when she was 13, independent. And... I was like that when I was three. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. let's, let's go down through the different, uh, the 10 reasons why your daughter should own a horse. And let's talk about those. Yeah, so um, I started with number one, which was it keeps her out of trouble. Um, And it was important enough to say twice. Uh, This was the big key thing for me that, you know, as a very young teenager, I used to go out in the middle of the night, walk around the city, just inviting um, terrible situations where kids that are not um, on the right track may get into drugs or alcohol too soon. And um, I never did any of that stuff. And it was because, oh, I had to be up at 6 a.m. And we had lessons and we were responsible for a lot of things that we had to um, keep together. And you're responsible for another living thing that's really large and is a huge part of your life. So it just kind of keeps you on track. And and, uh, I think for a lot of girls, even if those bad influences are right in front of her, um, you just don't take advantage of them because you have no interest in it. Um, yeah, and, and there's no and time to be there's no time to be complacent or to be bored, which is often the precursor to getting into trouble. If you have a horse exactly. at home who gives you some excitement, well then you're not necessarily inclined to go out and seek incite- excitement elsewhere. Exactly, yeah. 
Um, I, I think a big con for parents, which brings me to the next one, is that, um, the, you know, the first response that I hear is, we can't afford it. And um, I agree. I mean, horses are terribly expensive, and they are kind of constantly, when you think you, you've gotten enough stuff or, you know, there's always one more thing that you have to buy. But on the contrary, too, um, I think that there are a lot of work programs and, you know, leases where you can have the kids work and, and pay off the majority of the costs. Um, I think that putting those costs, you know, very expensive things back on your daughter or your son, be it, um, just to say, you know, you need to help pay for half a board and you're going to be responsible for all of your tax and you're going to be responsible for vet bills. And, you know, I saw a really wide variety of, um, you know, parents that would pay for absolutely everything and um, girls that had to work for everything, every step along the way. And they worked all through high school to be able to pay for their passion. And um, personally, I think that those that were responsible for paying for as much as possible actually turned out the best, Um, just the most financially responsible as adults and the most um, focused as a teenager because they had a goal. Totally agree with that. And actually, I, I, I was thinking about when you were talking about, uh, you know, it costs money. We, we've had, I've talked to so many fathers along the way who, who said, you know, it's worth the money. One, one actually is the husband of a very famous eventer, and they have daughters. And he said to me, he said, he, he said my argument when people say it costs a lot of money is I say grandchildren at, at, when your daughter's 16 do too. So, you know, that it was always his comeback is I'd rather her have a horse than a kid at 16. So, you know, or a boyfriend for that matter. And it is proven that they tend to go a little longer before they have boyfriends if they have horses. And I know Helena's wi- hoping for that. Um, with I, Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am kind of hoping for that. <laughs> no, every father does. It's <laughs> a father thing. Now, your daughter, Grace, is really into horses right now. Is, do you see, is it all-consuming for her, or is it just something to do? It is, it's not all-consuming, and it's not just something to do. She's, there's a middle of the road there for her. She loves it and cannot does not want to live without it. But um, I think there's a nice balance. But Grace is a little bit, you know, unique. She'll never not be with, she'll never not ride. Um, but she'll, and she'll never not go out and have a pony to care for and to love and to be her best friend. Um, but she also so, has other other sports that she's into and things too. So it's... It's not like, you know, my wife, Jennifer, when she was growing up, was it was all-consuming. It was horses 24 hours a day. It was, too, no, it's it's not like that. And this is, I mean, I think this is where the teenage years, but she's also on the younger scale, you know, on, on the younger side of things. Once you do get to be 13, 14, that's when your priorities start to manifest. What's really important, you start to realize what your passions are as a kid. And then you have to make choices because when you're 10, you can do a little bit of everything. But when you're 13 and 14, you have to start saying, oh, I need to, I really want to spend more time doing horses or I really do want to spend more time swimming or dancing or playing lacrosse. So that remains to be seen, you know, um, but, but the horses are there. So you just have to let, let them choose. The idea though, I think is whether it's horses or something else, the idea is to have your child to encourage what's 
their passion because it's their passion. I would agree with that. Engaged. You know, I went through that same thing when I was right around 13 or 14. My mom came to me and said, you know, you need to choose now. You're spending too much time doing too much stuff and you're going to have to pick a path and love it and stick with it. And I did. And I think that that gets really important to as, um, because kids start to get a little bit older because it, it really can become um, just more and more responsibility on all ends. You know, if you're doing three different sports, they all become more um, all-consuming. And so it, it is more important to pick a path and go for it. And um, I think that in the long run that that actually does you better to focus on just a few things at a time. And that was your third one, is it does it builds responsibility. And, of course, anytime you're dealing with an animal, especially an animal that needs the care that a horse does, uh, you're, it kind of forces them to, to be responsible. It, ain't, it isn't going to work otherwise. And we have seen the kids that have come through our barn over the years, that the teenagers, that they weren't responsible and they weren't going to be responsible, and, and they, sh- they shouldn't, and we encouraged at that point not to have a horse. Um, because they weren't responsible enough for that, uh, and they weren't picking up on it and learning it either. That, that I, I think they have to want to, you know. Um, it's it's tough when I you're agree. dealing with horses. I mean, it's it's not like you're you you know you have a bike and <laughs> you need to take care of it. I agree. I mean, the responsibility um, part of this is you know that's one of the most common that you'll hear when any child gets. Um, a, a pet that they have to care for, but I really think that horses are a step above, um, you know, dogs or cats or anything that would be in the house because they require so much um, extra time that's devoted to them and solely them. And uh, the bottom line is that as a, a teenager or as a parent, you are responsible for that horse's well-being. Even if it's boarded, it's those funds that go to um, the, you know, their food, their shelter, um, clothing and tack. And, uh, at the same time, it's your time that goes to just them, their, their well-being, their athletic well-being and their mental well-being. So you really do, you have a responsibility for their life. I like number four too. And I think number four, uh, applies no matter what age you are. I think that, uh, number four is it builds self-confidence. And I think, Horses do that no matter what age you are. Helena, you got into horses a little bit later, um, but have you seen that? Have you seen it help self-confidence? Not that you have. Absolutely. Not that you were Absolutely. lacking that anyway. But. <laughs> <laughs> I dabbled in it. Uh, well, we all lack some self-confidence. I, I dabbled in it as a younger child, then, but I didn't get serious and I didn't start being competitive until I was an adult. Um and it has given me personally a tremendous amount of self-confidence, but also being part of a lesson program, teaching and helping, especially when I was working with Coach Jen, I got to see the change in younger girls and the tweens and the teens. I, from, the, from the day they first walked into the stable, from their very first lesson to the very first show or their very first fox hunt, I saw them stand up straighter. I saw them stand up prouder. I saw them take more risks. I saw them interact socially with more confidence. I had uh, feedback from parents about how much better some kids were doing in school. Um, 
you know, I, I even saw a change in, we had two, two girls that rode at the stable with us who were on the autism spectrum and their parents, both parents had said that they had seen significant changes, um, and in their children. So yeah, there's just, there's absolutely no question in my mind that it, it creates an increase in self-confidence. I would agree. And I think that the, the self-confidence is the number one thing that, that most people realize that horses will do for you. And you realize it on day one and you can see the effect of that on day one. Unless of course you own a really bad horse, in which case you'll have none by the time you're done. Uh, completely <laughs> opposite end of the spectrum. Number five, it will help her meet new friends and hopefully friends that are as addicted to horses as she is. And hopefully they're of the same sex. And I'm speaking as America's horse husband there. Um, just trying to keep, keep the boys out of the well, picture for longer. Agreed. Yeah. You know, the, the barn is filled and most, most barns have lesson programs and those are filled with, um, you know, friends of all ages, of all different grades, with a very similar passion. And I think that getting away from the dynamic of school, um, you know, the cliques that are there, sometimes the struggles that you can have with kids there. Um, I think that it, as you approach high school, it's easier to build kind of long-term friendships there. But, you know, your daughter, if she's very, very passionate about horses, that's half of her life. Um, you know, half of it in, is in school and the other half of it is out of school. And if most of her out-of-school time revolves around horses, then all of her friends in school that don't know that side of her, they're only going to know half of her. Whereas her horse friends are going to see her confidence, they're going to see her accomplishments and her passion at work, and they're going to see the real her, the whole her. Yeah, you're so right. Yep, you are definitely right about that. I love number seven. It keeps her humble. Let me read the first line. Horses are going <laughs> to teach her that she's wrong all the time. Explain that. <laughs> yeah, that's something that I think a lot of kids that are in high school that don't involve themselves with horses, you know, you kind of get that that teenage feeling of, I might, and I'm, I'm good, and I'll leave the crowd. <laughs> And uh, I think that uh, horses can keep you humble in a way that not a whole lot else can't because it's very frustrating. Um, you know, learning is it's very rewarding and it's very frustrating at the same time because you can always be better. And from day one, you're going to learn that, you know, you're not right, but there's a way to get there. And once you get there, you're going to be not right again, but <laughs> there's a way to move forward again. And if you show, the judges will remind you of that every single time. <laughs> right, Helena? Every single, single time. time. <laughs> every single time you go in the arena, it doesn't matter what discipline you're in. You're going to be reminded of how not right you are. <laughs> how much you can improve. Yep. yep. Uh, and it'll yep. keep her fit and physically active. I think that that's kind of a given. Um you know, there's a lot of sports that will do that, but horses do that uh, 12 months of the year, you know, unlike some sports. So, uh, you, and plus... The yep, and even when you're not playing, you're still physically active. You're cleaning stalls, you're doing turnout, right. you're, um, you know, taking advantage of other things that aren't necessarily exercise, but just keep you moving throughout the day and keep you outside. I'll tell you what, too. We had a lot mm -hmm. of kids, as I said, come through our barn. We had 25 horses there. We had a, it was a big operation, a lot of students. And, uh, you know, we would, 
we'd have the mothers that came up to us and said, you know, begged and begged and begged that they didn't have much money and could they work there and everything. But we we had strict guidelines and we had a lot of rules, and we could tell within within the first hour of them being there, whether they were going to make it as a working, quote-unquote, working student or not, and how long they were going to last, because you could just tell whether they had any work ethic when they walked into the barn. Some of them, you know, were quieter than others. Some were more outgoing than others. But that work ethic, you know, had to have been learned by that point. So, you know, and I can honestly say that I can't think of one that changed, that that it got better. They, I, To be honest, they didn't last in our barn that long because, the, you know, after a couple of weeks, it, it just wasn't working. You know, it, I don't know if you guys have found the same thing or if we were tougher than others or, or what, but... Anybody? Uh, <laughs> um, okay, we were bitches. That's us. <laughs> no, I would agree with that. I think that um, when you walk into a barn as a child, you, uh, you know, especially around the 9, 10, 11 age where you're not quite ready to do a lot of physical work, but you can sure try. Um, I think that those are the ages where you can really push yourself and, um, you know, to any young kids that are trying to figure out how can I get more involved in the barn, I think that before and after lessons, you just say, how can I help? And, you know, there's always one more thing on the list to do, and it's kids that have that good worth ethic that will come to you and say, what's next? What's next? All the time. And, you know, those are the ones, too, that I'm thinking about it that we're still friends with today, 30 years later. Um, I mean, for some kids, it comes naturally. To to want it, to, it, you know, depends on their motivation um, and their passion for horses and the barn and the whole lifestyle. Some kids just love riding. You know, it all depends. It goes back to what, why kids like to ride or why adults like to ride. So, you know, for some kids like Grace, she likes to go fast. She likes the excitement and the thrill. She loves animals. Does she like mucking stalls? Yeah, not so much. <laughs> but, um... So uh, like, for example, through a pony club program where they really teach, they take the older kids and help them support the younger kids. I think through the barn life, kids can learn about how to be motivated and, and they can learn about what a good work ethic is. And through that learning process, actually become to appreciate a good work ethic. Sometimes it doesn't come naturally, but once it develops, then yeah, Glenn, I think those are, it sticks around. It's, it's cumulative. You get the foundation, you get these life lessons, the foundation of a lot of life lessons in the barn. So I think some kids come to it naturally and other kids actually learn it. But the barn is a great place to learn. Now, let's, let's, do, let's move on to number nine, which I think is Yeah, number nine was um, it helps them be creative, active teachers. And this is one of my favorite ones. You know, I've definitely got a teacher personality myself. And... Um, I didn't really come upon that until I was outside of a lesson program, not taking regular lessons. So I think that this is an interesting one, and that's why I actually titled it um, 10 Reasons Why Your Daughter Should Own a Horse Instead of Why Your Daughter Should Ride or Lease a Horse, um, because I think that there's something that comes with horse ownership that forces you a lot of times to have to be independent. You're going to be outside of just classrooms where someone's telling you what to do, and you're going to have to, you know, you're going to get in situations where you don't know what to do, you don't know how to resolve an issue, you feel stuck, and you just have to kind of sit down and go, 
okay, how am I going to get myself out of this? Why is my horse doing X and what can I do about it? And it forces you to think creatively about how you're going to teach someone else um, instead of, you know, how you're going to just follow along with the movement and just do exactly what your instructor is telling you to do. I was in sales for a long time. It it wasn't, you don't realize how much you know till you start teaching others. And you 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 really do you really do play down how much you know about a particular thing until until you teach others and until you have to get it across to somebody exactly. else exactly and when i was yeah. when i actually went from being a salesperson to teaching sales after 10 years i went wow i know a lot of stuff but i didn't realize how much i knew until i actually started teaching it and then you get better at it once you become a teacher you become better at whatever whatever it is you're doing uh, teaching forces you to be better, and you learn more than the kids ever do. And I know, you know, you see, people say that, but it is true, and it's true for riding instructors too, because you're you're the one constantly reminding yourself. You're not only reminding the student; you're reminding yourself to keep the heels down. You know, you're 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 getting reminded every day you do a lesson of those things. Absolutely. And I think that there's teaching opportunities, both you as a trainer, where you're teaching the horse, and also teaching opportunities where you're actually teaching other students or, you know, teaching other courses for other students. You know, there's so many opportunities available in a barn to be a teacher and to be a role model for that matter. Hey, the Mustang Makeover, Million Dollar Mustang Makeover this year, won by an 18-year-old who started training uh, training wild horses when she was 14. She started with Mustangs. So, uh, and she won it this year. So there you go. I mean, wow. you know. <laughs> uh, number 10, it teaches her brain how to learn new things. Yeah. So um, I think that a lot of people don't really know how they learn. Um, you know, some people are kinesthetic learners. They learn with their body. Um, other people are visual learners or they learn um, through hearing. So I think that if you learn how you actually learn, and, and I think a lot of this is really coupled well with a good trainer that will try a few different things out, and you begin to get a picture of, oh, I understood that. Say, say something more like that. Um, you know, for example, I learned through metaphors, and I didn't actually learn that uh, I, I knew that until very late high school. But, you know, when, when my instructor said, you're sticking your neck out, and I thought, uh, no, I'm not. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And he finally <laughs> said, pretend you're an old man peering down at a newspaper and he can't read. And I thought, wow, okay, I got that. Thank you. <laughs> And so now I know how I learn. And the more she did that, the more I got it. And um, I think that everybody learns really differently, but that will affect you, you know, in your job, in your relationship, um, you know, how you talk to people. And so knowing that information is helpful moving forward as an adult. Well, that's one of the cool things about the, the job we have is, is we, we learn every day. I mean, we learn every day we do these shows. Uh, and, you know, it's something that with horses, we're always learning, too, you know, and I totally agree with w what you said. I totally agree with everything that you had here. And, you know, the hardest one to overcome as a parent from what we've heard and talked to all the people we've talked to over the years is the financial. I think that's I think every parent would love to have their kids doing what they want to do. And every little girl wants a pony. Um, it's the financial one they, they can't overcome in their minds or they just can't. I mean, they just can't do it. 
So that's that's I would say in here, you know, that that is the toughest one to overcome. In a parents. I would agree. And that's yeah. that is normally the biggest barrier. And I think that it, it may take some searching for a special barn that would allow some sort of working situation. And it also requires that your you know, your daughter or your son really proved themselves in being a dedicated worker and an asset to the barn instead of um, you know, someone that just really wants to, to ride and is hoping for it at a discount cost. You know, and I, I think too. I agree with you. And we had a we had a girl that started with us when she was eleven. Her mom went to like seventeen different barns. We were the last one she had come to that we, we, was within range of her driving, and she pretty much begged us. We said no. She came back the next day and begged us again because she had no money, and she really wanted her daughter to get into this. And we took her daughter in, and turns out we're still friends with her today. She was at our barn for like ten years, and she was the best worker we had. So. You know, it 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 all depends on uh, it depends on the parent at that point. To the parent's going to be putting in the effort to find at at that age to find the the barn, the quote unquote opportunity out there. That's going to come back to the parent at that point. Uh, yeah, absolutely. When a child is that young, I would agree. And you know, as they get into high school, I think that it it becomes um, kind of a a fifty fifty situation where you know, as a parent, you're still going to be responsible for driving. That's another big um, con that I know a lot of parents have said um, that just the time and put forth both on their end and um, on oh, the parents, end in terms you don't have driving. to drive your daughter anywhere, do you, Helena? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose that applies to all sports, though. Yeah. <laughs> Well, very good. This is great. Uh, what a terrific article. If if uh, anybody wants to read it, they can go to your blog. Give the name of the blog. It's actually hannaebroadus.com, H-A-N-N-E-A-H-E, Broadus, B-R-O-A-D-D-U-S.com. It's just my name. And, um, you know, I'll add to this, too. I, I cut some fantastic comments on this blog, and I think that my favorite few were people that actually added to the list. And I think my number one favorite that was added was, um, should tragedy befall her at an early age, will help her get through. And hmm. that was something that, you know, I hadn't really thought about because I haven't had a huge tragedy befall me. But, you know, if I had a horse at a young age and someone very important to me died, um, you know, I had the loss of a parent, something like that, that would be a huge um, pro on my list to have a support system already set up. Well, and they kind of re- they kind of learned, too, because we, we a lot of the kids we had come through the barn ended up having horses die for old age or one reason or another. Mm-hmm. And they learn to deal with that. You, they, they're forced to learn to deal with that as well, which is something that a lot of kids uh, don't have the opportunity to learn at such a young age either. Agreed. I'm not saying that's a pleasant thing. It's just something <laughs> that we all have to learn it's to deal part with. part of life. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much, Hannah. We appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This Tapping Habits segment is sponsored by Sparkle and Boom. Visit them online at sparkleandboom.com. Sparkle and Boom is a new media marketing company. 
Our mission is to help small businesses add some sparkle to their marketing in order to get some boom in their bottom line. Our creativity, combined with an extensive background in the equestrian industry, makes us perfectly suited to help your business capture the potential of social media and the ever-changing World Wide Web. Visit us online at www.sparkleandboom.com. What, what, tell me about PT Scooter's favorite product, because it might be my favorite product, too. I'll tell you what. Um, we, he, when we first got him, because he was so malnourished and, you know, a couple ways, days away from dying, uh, you know, his skin was so sensitive, and he did not like brushing at all whatsoever. And, you know, you could understand that, because, he, you know, he didn't have any fat at all, so really you were brushing bone and, you know, sinew you know you really weren't brushing anything but bone so and his skin was in very bad shape his hair coat was in very bad shape well now that he's much much better you know we're a couple months down the line his coat looks beautiful matter of fact he's growing in a winter coat that that we're gonna have to we're gonna have to clip because he's getting too hot now because it's still in the 80s here and he's got his winter coat like he should live in at your house you know in new england so he's he definitely is a little uncomfortable and gets a little overheated during the day. So we're 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 getting some clippers and gonna give him a clip job. We're gonna see how much ace that takes. But uh, <laughs> but I couldn't use a curry comb on him because it hurt, and I got a very soft brush. And the but the only thing I could do for a while was just the soft brush. Well, they, you know that doesn't get the gunk out, right? So when we were at Ada, we came across a product, and, and I bought it right away, and it's called the Ultimate, and it is uh, done by, it's made by Epona, and they make a whole bunch of different grooming products, Epona grooming products. Well, this is a mitt. It looks like a mitten. It has the thumb and everything, and you put it over your hand. It's two-sided, but the what it's made out of, it's kind of a, a dry... Uh, rough material, a little bit rough material. Uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's kind of a plasticky rough material. And you use it, you just put the mitt on. It just barely fits me. You put the mitt on and you you rub them with it and it becomes a curry comb. It really is a curry comb. It's a curry mitt. But it's not as rough and pointed and jagged as curry combs are. Right. So as soon as I used this the first time, he loved it. His little lips were going... It was the first time I brushed him that he actually enjoyed it was when I used the mitt. And now I've been using it for about a month, and he loves this mitt. Uh, it, it just is, he still has sensitive skin, so it really does work to get all the gunk out and to get it to the point where you can then brush him with the soft brush, but not hurt him with a, like a, a stiff plastic curry comb. Right, because those those stiff ones, they, it, they hit the bones, yes. that's what... You're Does right. They, they clunk on the bones. They clunk yeah. on the bones. You're right. That's exactly what they do. This yeah, mitt, no matter how careful you are, it's just this mitt. But and the other thing I like about the mitt, other than it really does work really well at, at getting the gunk up, and yep. and and the horse likes it because he thinks he's just getting a massage, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> is you then because your hand is touching the horse. You feel every horse of the part or every part of the horse's body. So if they have a lump or bump on the inside of their leg or on their leg somewhere, on their underbelly or whatever, you feel it before you see it. So you truly are doing a body inspection every time you curry. 
Because, Which is really important. Because this bit is but, very soft. It wraps, you know, it, it contours to your hand and your hand contours to the horse's body. And doing the legs and stuff, I have noticed bumps. We noticed the t- I noticed the tick that way. So it really does work. It, I was impressed with that. It's an added bonus to this mitt. Look at you. Look at you getting oh. all into the grooming. I love my little pony. He's so cute. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I, I, <laughs> so cute. I'm not surprised, <laughs> but I am surprised. You, you can analyze that one. I don't know. But <laughs> that's pretty awesome. But now he doesn't mind brushing. Now, with this mitt. Now, the other day I thought, well, I'm going to try going back to the stiff curry comb, you know, the little round thing that everybody uses. And yep. he, he right away pulled away. He just doesn't like it. So I was like, okay, back to the mitt. And the other nice thing about these mitts is you can use it to bathe them. So you put the shampoo right on the mitt, and you just go to town. And and again, because you're because you can you're touching all parts of the horse's body, you're getting all parts of the horse's body clean too. Unlike using a sponge, where where you're not really touching the horse. So it's a much more I, personal experience. Yeah. It, it is a much more personal I know, experience. I know that sounds kinky, And it does but. a little bit more effective job of getting the soap, like, down to the skin. Because, you know, even in the summertime, you don't always get, like, a horse's hair is protective. It, it's designed to protect their body and their skin. Right. So it's not easy to get water down to the skin. But that's where all the gunk settles and stays. And then as they sweat and you ride, it, you know, it's always there. So I... I've always washed my horses with a curry, like a soft curry. I use that to kind of do it. But I always feel bad because you do have to get every square inch of their body. And you're like, oh, I'm sorry, but I got to get in here. And, you, you know, so a, this is. You need a mitt. I'll, I'm, I'll put it in your your uh, stocking for Christmas, okay? All right, cool. All right. Oh, Bertie, this well, isn't great, you. but, you know, that is a good point. This is a great Christmas stocking gift. Uh, it's like, I saw it, you can you can uh, do a search for it. It's called the Alta Mitt by Epona, E-P-O-N-A. You can find it at their website at eponaproducts.com. And it, it runs uh, anywhere from $10.95 to $12.95. I've seen it different places. So it's very cheap. As a matter of fact, I want to get another one. You know what I want to do? I want to have one in each hand so I can curry in twice, the, twice as fast. <laughs> I could do both at one You'd time. You'd be the carrying fool. <laughs> you know the other thing that this pony does? So that's my product. I hope you like it. Good, good. Uh, here, we'll start with uh, Christmas gift ideas already, starting yeah. today. You know the other Shh, thing? Let's make it a Halloween idea. Okay, no way, yeah. Halloween. Yeah, Halloween or Thanksgiving <laughs> gift. Oh, and it comes in cool colors, too. Blue, green, purple. comes in all kinds of different colors. Okay. So now the other thing he does that's so unusual, and I've never had a horse that did it this much, he is obsessed with Redmond Rock, his Redmond Rock mineral block. Yeah. He really? will lick on it for 20 to 30 minutes a day. Not oh. kidding. <laughs> he will stand there. We've timed him. 20 to 30 minutes a day he is at that thing. I wow. actually got so concerned, I wrote to Mike from Redmond Rocks, and I said, is this okay? <laughs> you know, I was worried. And he said, no, it's fine. It's all minerals that they need. He said, who only lick it as much as he needs it. I said, well, can he get addicted to it, like alcohol? And he said, no, nope, <laughs> he's only going to lick it as much as he needs it. He was starved and, you know, malnourished, so he, he feels he needs it. But isn't that incredible? I've never seen a horse. And then he'll go tank up. He'll drink, like, for 10 minutes straight. Uh, so well, yeah. I mean, if you you know you eat a gallon of salt, you're going to drink five gallons of water. I mean, I guess I guess as he as he his body becomes more fit and you know and healthy, and his nutrition levels are where they should be. 
you know, there's going to be changes in the balances in his body chemistry. So I, my, I'm guessing that this isn't a permanent thing, you know, it might just yeah. be temporary as, as he needs more salt and water. I don't know, but this is cool though. That's good. It's, I, I, you know, it's nice to see a horse attracted to something. If it's salt or a grain or a hay or currying or something, cause you know that that's what their body needs. Like, yeah, it was, they have no. Re- it was definitely it's yeah. definitely fun to watch him. I mean, he's he is a cute little guy. Yep. All right, that's it for this week. Don't forget to download the app. You can listen to all of our shows at including Helena's new show, Chasing a Fox. You can find it on the uh, on our app at the App Store. You just go to iOS or Android and search for Horse Radio Network. It's the easiest, simplest way to listen to our shows, and we have thousands of people listening to the shows that way now. So we appreciate that. And you can find Helena's new show, Chasing a Fox, over at chasingafox.com or at horseradionetwork.com, either one. And you can find all the show notes for today. If you forgot a link, if you didn't know where to find a guest, just go to stablescoop.com. You can find them over there. That's about it for this week, Helena. Let's get out of here. That is it, but there will be more next week. Until then, happy scooping.